here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Later in the program, my buddy, Chip Roy, will be on the program. We've been best friends for a very long time, actually. And uh, I want to get his take on the budget issue, but I want to spend a little time with you on this, because there is now a full-scale effort by Biden by surrogates in the media, the Democrat Party, to make the suggestion that Joe Biden has the power to violate separation of powers, to seize from Congress its core function, that is, the House of Representatives, to borrow, spend, and tax. Then they wrap themselves in the Constitution while they're violating the Constitution. I've told you many times that's how they work. They wrap themselves in liberty while they're promoting tyranny as well. And so I'm going to break it down again. I did, as you know, on Life, Liberty, and Levin during my opening statement. People say, why do you call an opening statement and not a monologue? Actually, most people don't, just a few eggheads. I said, because I don't like the word monologue. It is a statement that I am making, you know, an assertion, an argument. And people can accept it or not. But I went through it in fairly significant detail. Obviously, people come and go on radio. They come and go on TV. Maybe they're not watching. Who knows? doesn't matter. I just want to make sure I get the case out because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. First, let's begin with the offender, Joe Biden. And I want you to think about something. If Donald Trump... Or Ronald Reagan, or either Bush, said, I have the unilateral power to issue bonds. I have the unilateral power to lift the debt ceiling. In other words, I had the power, and my party had the power, to pass a budget that was wildly out of control, and now I have the power on my own 
to force the American people to pay for it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is as dictatorial and totalitarian as it gets. And I don't care about Lawrence Tribe and the other old buffoons who are out there twisting the Constitution to accommodate their needs. We don't put up with that crap here. Period. But here's Biden in Hiroshima, Japan. And he's questioned yesterday by, by the deuce, Peter Ducey. Cut to go. And Mr. President, on the deadline, you said already, I'm done, I'm done my part. Do you think that there's a brief? Of course, no one will blame me. I know you won't. You'll be saying Biden did a wonderful job. I, I, I know you. On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. And by the way, that's one of the, that's one of the things that some are, are contemplating. I actually had, well, I've got to be careful here. I think there are You know, some, I, I, you can tell that he's losing with it. It's, it's painful, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Anyway, he says, I think there are some MAGA Republicans. Go ahead. MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. You know, this is really frustrating and outrageous. He acts like MAGA Republicans, that is, Republicans who have and do support Donald Trump in the House. And by the way, 75 million of you, that somehow you're the kamikazes speaking of Hiroshima, that you're the kamikazes. That you're the ones who want to take down the economy. He's spending like a drunken Marxist. He's demanding that Republicans raise the debt ceiling for his spending and McConnell's spending. They're saying, no, we've got to start to trim this budget, trim the sales, and they're not even talking about a massive amount of money. And so now there's MAGA Republicans who want to take down the economy. This guy is, as I've told you before, a lousy, nasty street politician. And as I've said over and over, he's just a serial liar. That's all he is. Go ahead. Because I am president and president's responsible for everything. Biden would take the blame. And that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. Uh, aren't you Biden? What do you think? Biden and Biden. No, uh, you're not even in the United States when you're making these comments. You're in Hiroshima, Japan. And as McCarthy has said repeatedly, for 97 days, by my calculation, that's over three months, he couldn't get a phone call or a meeting with Biden. Now, here's why. Because Biden and the Democrats figured they could play chicken and the Republicans would buckle. They figured the House Republicans wouldn't stay united. They were wrong. And they figured they'd be chopped to pieces by the Senate Republicans. There are some, but Mike Lee took the leadership in the Senate and got 43 of them to sign a letter in support of what the House Republicans did. Now, keep something in mind when you're debating with your family and friends and neighbors. The Republicans already raised the debt ceiling. But they want some cuts. But they already voted to raise it in the House. Schumer won't bring it up for a vote. Because they want all spending covered, no matter what. No matter what. 
and spending is so completely out of control. Now, what about this 14th Amendment that we've discussed at length? We started discussing this months ago. I remember discussing it years ago. The 14th Amendment. What about the 14th Amendment? Does that empower the president to unilaterally borrow money? Does that even sound right to any of you? Has anybody ever done that before? No. So why now, if it's in the 14th Amendment? Why even negotiate with the Republicans in Congress if it's in the 14th Amendment? Why even waste your time with Congress at all if it's in the 14th Amendment? Just do it. You don't have to wait till the brink. If you think you have that power, you could have done it five months ago. Frightening, isn't it? We fought a revolution to have representative government, this fantastic constitution to get away from a monarchy, and now we have this guy. Here he is, cut three, go. I'm looking at the 14th Amendment as to whether or not we have the authority. I think we have the authority. The question is, could it be done and invoked in time that it could not, would not be appealed and as a consequence past the date in question and still the fall of the debt? That's a question that I think is unresolved. Well, listen to what he said at the beginning, though. We have the authority, he said. I quote, unquote, I think we have the authority. He believes he has the authority with his own magic wand to issue bonds, other treasury instruments, on his own, even though Article 1 specifically provides that Congress has these powers. The 14th Amendment does not counter that, doesn't alter it at all. It was passed in 1868, has nothing to do with this, had everything to do with paying the debt after the Civil War, what debt would be honored, what debt would not be, has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on today, which is why Lawrence Tribe says it does, because that's what he does. He spews stupid. Even Obama understood this in 2011. Cut four, go. Now, the gentleman asked about the 14th Amendment. There is uh, there's a provision in our Constitution that speaks to making sure that the United States meets its obligations. And there have been some suggestions that a president could use that language to basically ignore this debt ceiling rule, which is a statutory rule. It's not a constitutional rule. Um, I have talked to my lawyers. They don't, uh, they, they do not, uh, they are not persuaded that that is a winning argument. Uh, so, the challenge for me is to make sure that right, we enough. Do it's a very convoluted way of saying, no, I don't. I don't have that power. Now, I've told you why. Michael McConnell also, though, is a Stanford law professor. He was a federal appellate judge. He was a top lawyer for quite some time at OMB in the Reagan administration. You know, the old Reagan administration that never did anything. We should forget about Reagan and 
think about someone else, I guess. He recently wrote in the New York Times, President Biden is playing a dangerous game. The federal government's deficit spending is about to exceed the amount Congress has authorized it to borrow. And the Treasury has run out of what are known as extraordinary measures to stave off disaster. Congress and the President must negotiate a compromise resolution or the nation faces the prospects of a default. The House of Representatives has already passed a bill that would raise the nation's debt limit by $1.5 trillion. By $1.5 trillion. That's not funny money. That's a lot of money. Coupled, however, with proposed spending cuts. And its Republican leaders have signaled a willingness to negotiate. Mr. Biden instead has demanded that Congress raise the debt ceiling without conditions. The House Republicans' insistence on negotiations and compromise is not hostage-taking, quote-unquote. It is the ordinary stuff of politics. Two sides can posture all they want, but in the end... Congress and the president have to reach an agreement. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The Constitution does not permit a unilateral solution on either side. Begin with the constitutional basics. Article 1, Section 8. List the powers of Congress. The first clause of Section 8 provides Congress may lay and collect taxes. The second clause provides that Congress has the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. These clauses are absolute. The executive branch cannot impose taxes or borrow funds on its own authority. Together with the power of spending, these powers are known as the power of the purse, which belongs entirely to the legislative branch. These provisions have pride of place among Congress's powers for a reason. Before the so-called glorious revolution of 1688 and the English Civil War, the Stuart monarchs asserted the power to tax and borrow without parliamentary approval which effectively meant the power to rule without Parliament, which I just mentioned, without Congress. The result was not just autocratic rule at home, but also periodic defaults on the royal debt, astronomical interest rates for government borrowing, and ultimately civil war. Well, our framers didn't wish to recreate the Stuart monarchy, and the first two clauses of Section 8 reflect that aversion. The power of the purse may be the most fundamental element in our system of checks and balances, and I'll add... And Joe Biden wants to seize them from the House of Representatives. I just am appalled and disgusted by the way this is reported. The debt limit is nothing more than an authorization from Congress to borrow a certain amount up to the certain limit, a certain limit. The debt ceiling is not a restriction on what would otherwise be the president's ability to borrow. It's an authorization for the executive branch to borrow up to that ceiling. Above that, the president may not go. Nonetheless, Biden's advisors reportedly are contemplating violating the congressional debt limit based on a far-fetched interpretation of Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, propounded by some academics. Previous administrations have flirted with this idea, but all rejected it. Mr. Biden should do the same. It would twist the words of the 14th Amendment, ignore its history, and send the markets into turmoil. Now, I want to dig into this more deeply as he discusses it, as I have discussed it many times in the past. But I want to make it clear that Biden just asserted yesterday in Japan that he has this authority. So I hope you understand that Biden just asserted that he has dictatorial powers that no president since the 14th Amendment has ever asserted.
ever. Now, there's more to this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. This isn't complicated, ladies and gentlemen. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were passed after the Civil War by the Republicans, the Republican states. They dealt with the aftermath of the Civil War. 14th Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with the financing of the country and who has what power. Some, what is it now? Let's see. Most 120 years later, ended in 1865. Well, more than that. My math here is not great. 160 years almost. But that said, it would never, states would never have ratified an amendment that would give the power uh, to raise money, to pay off debt to the President of the United States. Ever. And they didn't. And neither does the language of the 14th Amendment. We're going to get into this now, as we must, unfortunately. I feel like we're in this endless position of having to defend the Constitution line by line, almost word by word, every damn week. But that's what we'll do if we have to. I'll be right back. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. I challenge 
Lawrence Tribe. I challenge any advocate of the view that the 14th Amendment provides Biden with the power to unilaterally raise the debt. I challenge them to point to a single member of Congress in 1868 who said such a thing. I challenge them to point to a single, single state representative or state senator during the ratification process of the 14th Amendment who said such a thing. Just one. I challenge them to find one speech from any of these members that said what they today say is meant by the language in the 14th Amendment. There is nothing, not one of any of the above. Nothing. And I enjoy good debate. I really do, ladies and gentlemen, as will become clear in the days ahead. That said, there's nothing. Let's go on with former judge, law professor Michael McConnell, not to be confused with Mitch McConnell. Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, enacted in the wake of the Civil War, says the validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, shall not be questioned. The immediate purpose was to prevent future Congresses, if controlled by pro-Confederate Democrats, from repudiating pension obligations and other debts incurred to win the Civil War. No doubt it applies beyond those narrow circumstances, but by its terms it does not authorize the President to borrow more money in violation of Article 1, Section 8, Clause 2, which is the article, section, and clause that explicitly, folks, me speaking now, empowers Congress to do these things. Congress. But by its terms, it does not authorize the president to borrow more more money in violation of that section of the Constitution, nor does it authorize the president to impose taxes in violation of Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, which gives, again, the power to Congress. By its terms, it does not augment the president's powers one iota. Nor does Section 4 have anything to do with payment of the national debt. It does not make it unconstitutional for the United States to run out of money. Nice idea, but impossible. Section 4 prevents the only institution of the government that could deny the quote-unquote validity of the debt, namely Congress, from doing so. For the United States to fail to pay interest or principal on its debt, he writes, would be financially catastrophic, but it would not affect the quote validity unquote of the debt. When borrowers fail to make payments on lawful incurred debt, this does not quote question unquestion uh, unquote the validity of those debts. Their debts are just as valid as before. It's just that the borrowers are in default. More on that in a minute. Moreover, even if the president were to issue new bonds without congressional authorization, again, which he has no authority to do, the text of Section 4 makes plain that these bonds would not be constitutionally binding. Only public debt, quote, authorized by law, unquote, meaning by statute, has that status. Were President Biden to issue bonds on his unilateral authority, the bond market would know that those bonds were not backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, 
Biden has no more authority to issue bonds than I do. He has none. Sensible investors would not purchase such bonds or would demand such a high-risk premium as to make them uneconomical anyway. Some people assume that the president's power to issue new debt would be resolved legally by the Supreme Court, but in fact, it would be resolved for practical purposes by the bond markets before the courts could even act, and the resolution would not be a happy one. And this is what Biden's worried about when he mumbles on. I, I, I don't think I can invoke it in time. President Biden has only one real choice if he wishes to avoid the default, says Michael McConnell. He has to negotiate with Congress, the branch of the government with the authority over borrowing and spending. If that means agreeing to spending reductions, that's hardly a disaster. That's hardly a disaster, especially with a fat, bloated Marxist budget like this. Excuse me, those are my words. That it was previous presidents have done. Indeed, as vice president, Mr. Biden negotiated just such a deal with Obama and Congress. The idea that the 14th Amendment gives the president unilateral power to borrow is dangerous nonsense. Dangerous nonsense. And yet Biden says he does have that power. What do you make of that, America? But this is where the Democrats are. Stephen Cohen, who is a reprobate, low IQ buffoon out of Tennessee. Remember that jerk during testimony and what was he, eating a sandwich or something in front of the microphone, Mr. Producer, to prove some point? Chicken. Why was he doing that again? Nobody remembers other than the fact that he's an a-hole. Cut five, go. So I think it's an ace in the hole for the president. I think he'd like to negotiate, and he'd like to be able to show he can work together with the Republicans. But so there you did. go. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's the MAGA Republicans. They want to burn, burn the place down. The MAGA Republicans, not the Marxist Democrats. You know, Republicans, don't you think it's time you get into this battle? You get some dirt under your fingernails, dirty hands maybe. Don't you think it's time you call them the Marxists that they are while they make up names for you? The boomer generation, or they make up other names for you like uh, the MAGA Republicans. And Don't you think it's time you got real and call them the Marxists that they are? Jeanette Yellen, a.k.a. Janet Yellen, on Meet the Depressed. Let's hear what she has to say. This could be interesting. Of course, they have Chuck Todd there, so nothing's interesting. It's dull, it's boring, and it's moronic. Cut six, go. Is the 14th Amendment fall into the category of extraordinary measures? Is that a sentence, Mr. Producer? Is the 14th Amendment fall into the category of extraordinary measures? Shouldn't at least a basic requirement for somebody who has a position like the schmuckster be literacy? And I'm not even saying the king's English. Just basic literacy. Is the 14th Amendment... Can you repeat that, Mr. Producer? Is the 14th Amendment fall into the category of extraordinary measures? Is the 14th... So I heard correctly. Wow. Okay. Well, what is her answer? Let's go. 
Well, extraordinary measures is used in a different way, but there has been much discussion of the 14th Amendment. And as President Biden said, I believe this morning, it doesn't seem like something that could be appropriately used in these circumstances, given the legal uncertainty right. um, around it and given the tight time frame right. we're on. So let's stop there. By the way, he can't wait to speak this this illiterate Chuck. He's, wait, 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 I, want, I, I, I got to get in there. I'm so smart. First of all, she got it half right and half wrong. He said there's a tight time frame, in essence. That's what Biden said. He also said that he has the power to do it. That's an extraordinary statement from a president of the United States. That he has the power to unilaterally seize the most important function, certainly one of the most important, a core function of Congress, and specifically of the House of Representatives, unilaterally. And so, therefore, according to Joe Biden, he has the power to propose budgets and to fund budgets. And he doesn't have to negotiate with anybody. So why did he wait to the last minute, as I keep saying? Why did he wait to the last minute? Why didn't he say, this is my budget, and either you pass it or I'm going to fund it in three months? Why didn't he do that? Then it would have been timely. I shouldn't give them ideas, of course. But the answer is, it is so recklessly so obviously unconstitutional. And yet the Democrats are prepared to do it. Biden, his, his phony professors and so forth, they want it, they're prepared to do it because they want to burn the place down. And they want to pl- replace it with some kind of Marxist paradise. Can you imagine the hell they're going to unleash? They have no respect for these institutions. Not the Supreme Court, not the United States Senate, If they can't attack it directly, they attack it surreptitiously. Look what they've done with the FBI and the intelligence agencies. Look what they've done at the border. This is a wrecking crew. That's what it is. Go ahead. Out hope is that Congress will raise the debt ceiling. They did raise the debt ceiling. But they didn't raise it as much. Is the Democrats want no? What's this guy Kahana's name? What is his name from California? Ro Khanna or something? I saw him on TV lying. That's right, Ro. You can call in if you like. I've had it. My teeth are sharp. I'm ready to take on anybody at this point. Roy, Ro, whatever. Come on the show. You said something on TV that was an extraordinary deception to the American people. You said this budget already passed. True. This money has already been spent. That's false. All the money's not spent until the end of the fiscal year. The end of the fiscal year is September 30th, not May 30th. And that budget was passed as fast as possible by the Democrats in Congress. You voted for that, Roe, as well as the Democrats in the Senate and the McConnell team. The McConnellites. They're not really Republicans. I don't know what they are. All I know is I don't like them. But anyway, they rushed that through, and now they're saying, you guys got to pay for this. And by the way, they voted on it late. They're supposed to pass a budget 
by October 1st. That's when the weird fiscal year the federal government begins. But they waited till after the election. How does that work? They pass all these little continuing resolutions. But Roe voted for this stuff. He says, well, the next budget. Well, no, they want to look at this budget. They want to look at this budget. Chuck Todd is on with Byron Donalds. Byron's on CNN. He's on Meet the Press. Didn't we invite him on the other week and he canceled? He couldn't make it. He was on CNN. I remember when we brought Byron on this show and on TV. I think I was the first one to do it. Well, easy come, easy go. Let's continue. Listen to this. Because Byron's a sharp dude. Cut seven, go. Former President Trump said about the debt ceiling in 2019. Take a listen. I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. Why don't you agree with him on this? Well, first of all, stop, 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 stop. Using the debt ceiling as a negotiating tool. The Republicans are trying under McCarthy and the conservatives. MAGA! To save the country. If Joe Biden gets his way in 10 years, the on-budget national debt will be almost $51 trillion. It's 32.5 or 7, depending on how you count it, trillion today. Is that good for America, America? And we won't be able to undo that. Here we finally have fiscally relatively responsible members in the House doing everything they can with a tiny little majority. Up against Washington, up against Biden, up against the Senate Democrats, and quite frankly, the McConnellites, up against the media, with a tiny, tiny majority. They're the David against Goliath. And they're doing exactly what they ought to do. And then we get Chuck Todd. Now, Chuck Todd's wife is a Democrat operative. Chuck Todd's wife gets paid to advise Democrat candidates on how to beat Republicans. So Chuck tapes Donald Trump in 2019. Now, what did Donald Trump say? Let's start from the top again, and I will explain. Go. Former President Trump said about the debt ceiling in 2019. Take a listen. I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. So what he's saying there is a negotiating wedge. Not for something that's has nothing to do with the budget or something. What he's saying there is, don't use it to negotiate for this, for that, or the other. What the Republicans are saying is, look, we got to cut spending. We're not looking for a negotiation wedge. It's the only measure we have to cut spending. Now, Trump wasn't spending more than the Democrats, probably more than we should. But he wasn't the one pushing the budget. It was the Democrats again. As bad as the Republicans are, and they're bad. The Democrats are ten times worse. I got to go. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. 
Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. We will have our buddy Chip Roy on. Not a rising star, one of the stars of the House of Representatives um, to discuss the budget. And now is when it counts to get into these battles uh, with the Biden administration, the left and the media. And this is what we should be doing, and this is what we must be doing. So don't leave us. I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. Oh, I'm sure this has been played to death already on radio. But you know what? I have no idea if it has or not. And many of you don't either. For all I know, this is the first show and the last show that you listen to during the day, during the evening. And I was taught that by El Rushbo himself. Don't assume anything. And so I don't. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. You know, the... uh, what would you call him, Mr. Producer, Ice Cube? He, he's an actor, he's a rapper, and um, I remember Jared Kushner became friendly with him. I believe my buddy Mort over there at ZOA became friendly with him too, Mort Klein. And, <coughs> excuse me, and he made a statement that is so true on the Full Send podcast, whatever that is. So true. <clears throat> Charlemagne the God uh, can't keep up with Ice Cube because Charlemagne the God should have said this a long time ago, too. Cut 10, go. I don't know what's going on in the African-American community when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Like, black people have supported Democrats, you know, uh, overwhelmingly for Mm -hmm. 50, 60 years and, and nothing has changed. So 
something's got to change. What about that? Don't tell LeBron that. Don't tell uh, Whoopi Karen Goldberg that. No, 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 no. Don't tell them that. I mean, the Democrat Party is a religion for so many Democrats. For so many Democrats. This is what they've grown up on. It's a religion. And they're not giving it up no matter what. It's too bad other people of faith <laughs> don't feel that way about their own faith and religion. But, but for so many, as Marx had hoped, Marxism via the Democrat Party, I would say, um, is their religion. And it comes before everything else. And as I often say, the Democrat Party, much like the Communist Party, for the Democrat apparatchiks is more important than the country. And a guy like Ice Cube sees right through it. Sees right through it. I think it was, uh, I'm trying to remember, another very well-known African-American actor whose name escapes me, of course, when I need it. He did an interview, and he said, stop calling me an African-American. He said, I'm a black American. I fought for this country. My people have been here a very, very long time. Morgan Freeman, that's exactly right. Morgan Freeman. And he said, I'm not an African American. I'm a black American. Denzel Washington says similar things. He's a man of deep faith, who loves this country, fantastic actor, as is Morgan Freeman. But he says similar things. He says, excuse me, I have nothing. It's like me going around saying I'm a Russian-American since my people fled Russia. I hate that government. And I hate what they're doing to the Ukrainians. And I hate what they've done to other people. I'm not a Russian American. I'm an American. So why do you pigeonhole me this way? But even more to Ice Cube's point, what the hell has the Democrat Party done for them? Oh, I can't wait, Mr. Producer. I I, my tongue is bit. Or is it bitten? In other words, I can't speak right now. And then we have the NAACP. The NAACP is owned by the Democrat Party. It's owned by the Democrat Party. Wasn't always that way. You know, the NAACP under... Uh, this damn chair, hold on. My ex-chair, that damn arm here. All right, here we go. Got it. All right. The NAACP, when Woodrow Wilson was president. They had real problems with Woodrow Wilson, as would anybody, but particularly black Americans. And he had a meeting with them and other black Americans, and he was very rude to them. 
including the head of the NAACP. And um, any event, Mr. Bruce, you have here the NCAA. Did you notice that? It's the NAACP. <laughs> it's all right. Anyway, so um, anyway, so but then you had W. E. B. Du Bois, who was a communist, he was a Stalinist, and so the NAACP was not of that ilk and did not follow Du Bois, who was a black Marxist and considered an intellectual at the time, who was praised and promoted in most of our colleges and universities today. But the NAACP wasn't that. And it wasn't in the back pocket of the Democrats. In fact, it was founded by a Republican. And so now Derek Johnson, the president of the NAACP, not the NCAA, He makes a preposterous statement. They put out a warning. Because the NAACP now is an appendage of the Democrat Party. It's that simple. And if you're a black American and you step away from the Democrat Party, they are going to brutalize you. Like Tim Scott is being brutalized. Not so much by the NAACP, but by other blacks, like on The View. Like on The View, which is a show that ought to be canceled because it sucks. I mean, how hard is it to get five or six yentas on there yammering away with their usual knee-jerk liberalism and their... Anyway, so here's Derek Johnson about Florida. Now, as you know, I now spend, we now spend a lot of time in Florida. There's a lot of black people in Florida. There's a lot of brown people in Florida. There's a lot of immigrants in Florida. All over the Caribbean, from all over the country, from all over the world. It's a true melting part, plot Florida. Unlike, say, Vermont, which is a melting pot of, you know, people from Switzerland, Norway, uh, Sweden, Germany, but Florida is a true melting pot. I have to take a break, but I'm going to pick this up after we have our buddy Chip Roy on the program. Chip, who's actually endorsed um, Ron DeSantis for president. But that said, uh, travel to Florida, beware. Beware of what? And if you travel to Florida and you're of the LGBTQ plus community, beware. Beware of what? What, the children are being protected in public school? That in Florida you're not allowed to mutilate your children? I mean, for the left, you needed all kinds of uh, prescriptions before you could take certain uh, drugs when it came to, uh, you know, COVID. Remember all that? I got to do this. I can't get this. I can't get that. But for the left, lopping off penises and growing them or adding them to little girls or taking their breasts off at the age of seven, that's okay. That's okay. But it's not okay. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and, of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with mobile hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. All right, it's always a pleasure to have uh, Chip Ryan. Chip, how you doing, buddy? Good, Mark. How are you? I hope you had a great weekend. I did. I hope you did, too. All right, Joe Biden uh, doesn't want to negotiate to the extent his people have spoken. They, uh, they want to blow the budget through the roof as well as the debt. I spent a lot of time on this uh, Sunday on Fox as well as behind this microphone. Chip, where are we today? Do you know? So I don't have the latest and greatest because I'm in the Rules Committee where we're actually fighting over student loans and a bunch of other you know stupid bills from our Democratic colleagues. We're trying to stop them. Uh, but what I do have from my last conversation with Kevin uh, earlier today, uh, I know he was meeting with the president today. Uh, the news reports are that the tone was better, but they don't have an agreement. Uh, the fact is the president is still living in you know uh, fantasy land that they can just straight up ignore our common sense positions while they try to enrich enrich the elite uh, through the use of their government and corporate cronyism policies, right? That's the bottom line. Our our efforts and what we're trying to do, it's not just about money. People are losing sight. I think it's just about dollars and cents and debt for the sake of it. It's, it's not, although that's important. It's about ending the subsidization of the things that are against the American dream and every hardworking American family out there. Stop funding an FBI that's undermining our freedom and that's politicized and going after the former president and going after Scott Smith and Loudoun County, you know all too well because you know that area. And, you know, it's about stopping the, the subsidy of a great big, you know, billion-dollar corporations with all these Green New Deal subsidies. And it's about ending an IRS expansion, which targets the poor and minorities more than anybody else. This is about propping up their rich elitist buddies and advancing their radical leftist agenda. They know it. They know the American people are onto it. We've got them in a corner. We've got them on the ropes. Now we got to finish this off and make sure we do something right for America. Now, a couple of questions here, Chip. Number one, this constant reference to the 14th Amendment. There is no 14th Amendment bailout here. Uh, I've spent a lot of time on this. Others have, too. If Biden does reach for the 14th Amendment, that is the gravest attack on the House of Representatives in the history of the House of Representatives by stealing, by seizing the borrowing, spending and taxing authority uh, and using it in the executive branch. What do you think the Republicans in the House would do about that? Well, we've been having a few conversations. We're, we're hopeful that even this crazy uh, administration under Biden would not go that far. I think they... I think, get the joke. The Wall Street Journal laid it out fairly magnificently today, pointing out that literally that constitutional provision is about, yeah, you should actually prioritize paying the debt. Uh, 
that's the obligation that we're supposed to do. But you don't get to you don't get to make the decision about how we borrow money in order how to pay for that debt. You just literally don't. That's it would be patently unconstitutional. Uh, I would like to think we'd be able to win that in court very quickly. But look, I'm just going to tell you how I would react. I can promise you that, that what they cannot do is manufacture money and print it. And when we get to September and we're dealing with the government funding mechanism, if the executive office of the president wants a single dollar that is appropriated for its existence, then it better darn well not think about doing this kind of thing. Like this is literally getting into a separation of powers war and a constitutional crisis if they choose to invoke the 14th Amendment unlawfully and unconstitutionally to do what they do not have the power to do. And I would encourage all my Republican colleagues to be just as blunt that that would be, you know, basically open warfare with the Constitution by this Democratic administration. Well, you'd have a president proposing a budget and funding a budget. Uh, I, I don't know how much more dictatorial I can get than that. And clearly that's not what the, uh, the framers intended. And by the way, that's not what anybody who voted in Congress for that amendment, the 14th Amendment, ever said. No. And that's not what any of the uh, ratification debates, any member of the state legislatures ever said. They're making this up at a whole cloth. And to me, this would be the most dire attack on the Constitution, not just in our lifetime, but to me since the Civil War. You, you, can't, you can't just seize power from another branch of government. It's a, but I no. want you to understand something, Chip. The President of the United States in Japan yesterday said he thinks he has this power. It's a timing problem, so he may not be able to use it because of the court, but he actually said, I think I have this power. Now, I don't know of any president who's ever said that. Even Obama backed off of that. Yeah, I, I, it's clear that he doesn't have the power, and it, but it's also clear that he doesn't even know what he's saying, right? And I'm just sitting here in the Rules Committee where I just quoted back to the Democrats testifying the exact quotes from Nancy Pelosi where she laid out very specifically that the President of the United States didn't have the power to forgive these loans to the tune of half a trillion dollars for these student loans. It was very clear. Most Democrats agreed that that was not something the president had the power to do. I'm hopeful the court will strike that down this summer, but Congress should be acting right now to defend Article I powers against an overreaching uh, executive branch. And we're doing that with the Congressional Review Act in our in Rules Committee right now. We're going to pass that this week. And we're doing it in the debt ceiling debate, right? We, we include that provision in there to say we should remove it. It's unconstitutional. It's inequitable. It's wrong. And so, uh, yeah, the president doesn't have this authority. He might think he does. I don't think he actually thinks he does. He might say he does, but he doesn't. Federal government continues to take an enormous amount of money every month, regardless of what Congress does, um, no matter what happens to the budget, to the debt ceiling. Yep. It's not like the people stop paying their taxes. So you take in, what, $350, $400 billion a month, correct? Right. That's right. And that doesn't stop. Now, Social Security, even under the theory of a trust fund, it doesn't need Congress to approve anything because it still operates under the old theory that there is a trust fund and that money's put aside. Same with Medicare. Same with the VA. Same with much of the military, as a matter of fact. And even the stat statutes that have been passed in the past prioritize these things. So there are ways, it's not the best way to do things, but there are ways for the Treasury Department to prioritize things, correct? That's 100% correct. And, and to put a finer point on it, the very uh, easiest thing the president could do is to pull up the bill that we passed, sign it into law. Now, you and I both know politically he doesn't want to do that. 
But he certainly could accept the premise that we have a say in this as the House of Representatives and pass a responsible debt ceiling increase with significant spending cuts along the lines that we just offered. He doesn't want to do that. Okay, well, you're the president. Then it is on you, right? It is on you. You're the one choosing to play the default game. But the fact is what you just said, there will be no default. We will be able to pay the interest on our loans. We will be able to make other payments, Social Security and other things that people rely upon. What we will have to do is work through the difficulties of not having the full funding of the government at play. But you know what? That forces a lot of the tough decision-making that needs to be done. That's the point. That's why we have a debt ceiling. Every American gets that. Mm -hmm. And if this debt isn't, if you don't begin to wrestle it to the ground, what will our economy, what will our finances look like then? Well, right now we're on a track to roughly 50 trillion dollars of debt in about a decade. Mm -hmm. What that does is it weakens the dollar. All of this spending causes inflation. What we're trying to do is slow that down, halt it. But more importantly, stop funding. Let me let me hold you for a few minutes, uh, Chip. I got a very heartbreaker just for a few minutes. We'll be right back. Remember the last time you got a quote unquote free phone? You started out feeling great. Then came the hefty activation fees four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with mobile hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, to start saving today. Mark Levin. The Thunder on the Right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're on with Representative Chip Royce. So, Chip, you were saying that in addition to all these other horribles, most important is what? Well, there's two main things that I just think every one of your very intelligent, awesome listeners need to know so they're armed to go and explain this to everybody else they're talking to. Number one. What we're trying to do is reduce the overall discretionary spending level down by about $131 billion. All that does is puts the federal bureaucracy where it was right before COVID, pre-COVID levels. Polls well, it's common sense. But what that would do is constrain the FBI, constrain the ATF, constrain the EPA and the Interior and all of these agencies with bureaucrats standing in the way of the American people or worse than that, targeting them. So that's one thing that we would do. The second thing that we would do that's important is we would go back to the so-called Inflation Reduction Act and we would repeal the egregious and expansion, uh, egregious expansion of the subsidies that were some of which were in place. But now they're put on steroids and they're uncapped. These subsidies go primarily to billion dollar corporations to make lots of money on the back of hardworking Americans trying to promote all of their wind farms and solar farms that literally cannot power America. It's grift. We're enriching radical leftists or crony capitalists 
who just want to make a buck off of your tax dollars or borrowed money, all putting out a business, the gas-fired plants, the coal-fired plants, the nuclear-fired plants, that actually make us a formidable country with a reliable grid. I can't explain how horrible that is to our country, what it would do to us. The uh, Goldman Sachs estimate is $1.2 trillion, but that's just mm-hmm. money. This would decimate our powerful uh, national security reliance on both fossil fuels and nuclear power to be independent. So we've got to follow through on this. It goes well beyond dollars and cents and to the actual strength of our country. I, I think the American people need to know those things. Well, they will now. Excellent points. All right. Well, you'll keep us surprised, and uh, we want to know at any relevant time when we should put pressure on members of Congress, too, Chip. Okay? Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks to all the listeners out there. And Put the pressure on now. Just tell Republicans to hold the line and stand up for them, and that's what we're going to try to do. Appreciate all right. Hold on a second. Do we have some yeah. of them that are buckling already? Well, nobody, no, we don't actually right now. I mean, God bless yeah. America. We've been fairly united. But, you know, I mean, it's tough. And, and, you know, Kevin's out there talking to the president, and you know the president doesn't want to give. And as we get closer to the X date, donors start calling. Everybody gets wobbly. Like, oh, my yeah, God, right. we're gonna, the sky's going to fall. Just everybody hold the line. we got to go fight for this country. That's what this is about. Excellent. You're so right. All right, my brother, take care, and best to your family as well. You too. God bless. All right. God bless. Good man. You're all familiar with him. He's been on this program many, many times. And uh, I want to get back to this. The NAACP president, Derek Johnson, on CNN today. Now, Derek Johnson is getting much more attention than he deserves because he did this ridiculous throwdown with the governor of Florida. That if you're black or he says African-American, or you're LGBTQ, you should be a travel warning to Florida. Is somebody being bothered in Florida by the state authorities? If they fit into any of the LGBTQ plus categories? No, they're not. Folks, the governor is trying to protect little kids from educational bureaucrats. He's trying to protect little kids from the teachers union. He's trying to protect little kids from people who want to mutilate them at a very young age, prebubescence. The governor should get a ticker tape parade for what he's doing. He's not threatening a single adult in that state unless they take their views And try to apply them into action against little kids, mostly, who are not their little kids. Somehow this has become controversial in the media and among Democrats. It's controversial on the view, I guess the women of the view have children, have mutilated them. I'm just assuming they have. They've taken circumcision a little too far. You understand what I mean, Mr. Producer? And so uh, they've taken a meat axe rather than precision. But the point is, what Governor Ron DeSantis has done is not controversial to over 90% of the American people if they're told the truth. It's like Joe Biden saying, you know, there's maggot. Hello, hello, anyone home? It's like Joe Biden saying, 
that the MAGA Republicans are book banning. The MAGA Republicans, that is, people who are patriotic, people who care about their children, parents, many of whom are Democrats, independents, unaffiliated, who go to school board meetings, do not want their children exposed to pedophilia, dressed up as education. I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on in these schools now. And so here's the head of the NAACP. He's telling all all you black folks out there, don't go to Florida. It's very dangerous. I want you to ask a black person who lives in Florida, what's the gravest threat they face? You know, I posted immediately on this, and of course the backbenchers regurgitated this, and it's good. It's good they're paying attention. This jerk doesn't put out a travel warning for Chicago. This jerk doesn't put out a travel warning for Philadelphia. Or virtually all of our major cities. Where young black teenagers are killing other young black teenagers. In fact, this jerk doesn't say a damn thing about it. And neither do the jerks on the view. And none of the jerks on the left. Because they can't. Because they have all kinds of narratives floating around, and that's not one of them. So let's listen to this. On CNN today, Sarah Sidner asking Derek Johnson of the NAACP, Cut 11, go. You just heard uh, the words of DeSantis himself calling this call. It's Governor DeSantis to you, Missy. Go ahead. NAACP, a stunt. How do you respond? Well, the governor has uh, perfected the art of doing stunts to gain campaign contributions. Unfortunately, this will impact people's lives. Uh, We should not use race or othering as a tool to weaponize against people. And unfortunately, for a large percentage of the Floridians, that's what he has done. How so? How so? How so? I'm serious. How so? What has he done? Othering people. No, that's what the left is trying to uh, characterize what he's doing, which is utter and complete common sense. He's not othering people. What is it with the language, too, by the way? We've lost our language in this country. But nonetheless, othering people. He's not othering anyone. He's telling the bureaucracy, the surgeons, some of whom get carried away with their craft, may I say, and others, keep your damn hands off the children. Now, when they're adult, they'll make up their own minds. But we're not going to do it for them. We're not going to do it for their parents. We're not going to do these things. Not in Florida. And so people are flocking to Florida. You know, it's an amazing thing. States are being depopulated. They, people can't get the hell out fast enough. They don't want to leave. Many of them have been born there. There's generations of family there. They're comfortable in their home, but they can't stand what's going on. And they can't change it. They're outvoted. So they leave. 
And we've never seen this. I mean, we've seen it in different cycles in America, but certainly not within the last few decades. People are literally getting up and moving. They've had enough. They don't want their kids to be brutalized. They don't want their kids to be brainwashed. And now if you stand up for basic parental rights, basic morals, the nuclear family, books in schools that are not explicitly pornographic and perverted, apparently there's something wrong with you. And apparently there's something wrong with the president of the NAACP. What kind of a jerk is this? I'm being perfectly honest. What kind of a jerk is this? Stands up for black people, really? Like Florida's the problem? No, Florida's not the problem. Illinois's the problem. That is Chicago. Philadelphia's the problem. New York City's the problem. That's the problem, pal. And as for the LGBTQ community, is there like a whole neighborhood? They call it a community, Mr. Bidu. Is it like uh, the LGBTQ, uh, what is it, a gated community? I I don't know, what is it? How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Since what is what you do with your body parts? A civil right. Nobody's stopping you. Do whatever the hell you want to do. Just keep your hands off the kids. And by the way, I say this to straight people too. Keep your hands off the kids. Oh, that's controversial. We have to put a travel warning out there for Florida. Cut 12, go. But also, let's, if you have, have to go there, let's support the local community as we prepare to change the political landscape. We didn't end here overnight. It was because of the election, so we have to prepare for the next election so we can get rid of him once and for all. Ah, uh, so it's all about the next election. So they can get rid of Ron. Who did he support? Who would he run? Remember DeSantis' candidate, uh, the Democrat candidate in the first round, Mr. Bidu? Remember that guy? Oh, he was the future. Remember him? Google his name real fast if he can. He was the future, this guy. Oh, I remember. And thank God DeSantis won by like 40,000 votes. Gillum. Oh, whatever happened to Gillum? Well, you know, drugs. Men. Wait, I thought he was married with children. He, he is, was, whatever. Oh, he would have been a fantastic governor, wouldn't he? Winnie Derek Johnson. Yeah. And so now we have to have a travel warning in place. The NAACP, want to know the truth? What the hell do they do? I'll bet you even black people don't know what the hell the NAACP does. What do they do other than support the Democrat Party? Exactly what Ice-T was talking about. What, what do they do? Ice Cube, I apologize. I don't even like, well, I like iced tea. I don't drink iced tea. You understand what I'm trying to say? But all that said, what has Derek Johnson done for black people lately? Other than make noise, other than join with the leftists, 
in the Democrat Party. What has he done? Other than tell people, oh, travel warning to Florida. You know what the travel warning to Florida is? I'll give you the warning. The traffic gets backed up because so many people are trying to move to Florida. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Remember the last time you got a quote-unquote free phone? You started out feeling great, then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Don't fall for it again, folks. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data plan with Mobile Hotspot for just 55 bucks a month and get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? I'm a customer. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company I'm proud to stand behind, because they're proud to stand behind me and you. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin, and you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. Again, go to puretalk.com, use promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N PODCAST, to start saving today. Here's Ron DeSantis. We talked about him. He was under constant attack now, and I warned you he would be. At Red Arrow Diner in Manchester, New Hampshire. You know, that sounds good to me. Probably get a good meatloaf. You know what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? With potatoes. Oh, my. Anyway, cut 13. Go. They want to have their own government in this. They've had their own government for 50 years. It's massive corporate welfare. We're not doing that. They're going to live under the same laws as everybody else. They're going to pay their fair share of taxes, um, and they're not going to govern themselves. They're going to, we the people are going to govern. And uh, to put one corporation on a pedestal and let them be exempt from the laws is not good policy. It's not free market economics, um, and it's not something that our state's going to be involved in. And so we will not change from that. And so they can do whatever they want. I know people try to chirp and say this or that. Uh, the chance of us uh, backing down from that is zero. Excellent. It's a leader. Cut 14, go. We are the first university system, first state to eliminate from our university system this idea of DEI. We signed the bill. It's gone uh, as of Monday, and it stands for diversity, equity, inclusion, but in reality, that's a veneer to impose orthodoxy on the university. If you dissent from that, watch out. They even have, uh, in different parts of the country, they've had faculty, prospective faculty, have to take a DEI oath just to get hired. And these are folks, if, if they say, you know, I believe everyone should be treated equal regardless of their race or ethnicity, they will mark you down for saying colorblindness and equal treatment. And so this has become a cottage industry. It's become actually a major grifting opportunity because you'll have these DEI consultants. They'll show up. Yeah, I, I would like to come in, uh, in, in lecture about how capitalism is racist. Only if you pay me $50,000 an hour. And I'm like, okay, come on. So, um, so our view is that DEI, really the way it's practiced, stands for discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrination. And that has no part in our public institutions. This is why they hate him, because he takes on the culture. The culture is devouring our country, because it's being poisoned by the Marxist left. 
but not in Florida, because he takes it on. So if you believe in the poisoning of our culture, maybe you shouldn't be a member. Maybe you shouldn't go to Florida. And if you believe in the poisoning of our culture, maybe you should join the NAACP, because apparently it believes. It believes in destroying our culture. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Joe Biden uh, put out, well, his people put out a statement just now. I just concluded a productive meeting with Speaker McCarthy about the need to prevent default and avoid a a catastrophe for our economy. We reiterated once again that default is off the table and the only way to move forward is in good faith toward a bipartisan agreement. While there are areas of disagreement with the Speaker and I and his lead negotiators, Chairman McHenry and Chairman Graves and our staffs will continue to discuss the path forward. So in other words, we don't know what the hell's going on. Isn't that the long and the short of it, Mr. Producer? Yes, indeed, America. So there we have it. And uh, Tim Scott is announced for president, as you may know. So he is immediately attacked by the morons on The View, of course. And it's really this Sonny Houston. She's got a hate on her like you cannot imagine. She and her husband and her family live in this massive estate. It's worth millions. Only in America. Only in America can people with no talent, none, be able to use our capitalist system and become enormously wealthy. The lap of luxury in the country, not just in the country, in the whole world. And then trash everything and everyone around them. Then you know. Then you know. That people are spoiled rotten. And the people on The View are spoiled rotten. Because they're largely stupid people. Who have no substance. 
and certainly within the last 10 years have accomplished absolutely nothing. And of course, their contributions to the country are zero. What has Karen Goldberg contributed to the country? Nothing. How about Sonny Halston? What has she contributed to the country? Nothing. How about the other adults there? And then that What has she contributed to the country? A lot of methane, I think, Mr. Producer. That's about it. And yet they're out there. They're on the attack, man. And if you don't fall in line, like Tim Tim Scott is a wonderful person. There's no reason to attack him. You may have noticed he's a black man, and he's a Republican. And you see, that's the problem. It doesn't even matter what his views are. According to them. Here is Sonny Halston. Cut 19, go. After the police shootings in... Oh, this um, is, uh, first of all, it's Anna Navarro. Now, she in particular should be bowing at the feet of capitalism and freedom in this country because she is a certified moron. In more than one language, I may add. Got 19, go. After the police shootings in, um, in, against African Americans in 2016, he did some speeches on the Senate floor mm-hmm. that were incredibly impactful about what it's like to live in America, what it's like to live in the South. Let's remember he's from South Carolina, in the skin of a but black he man. He ignores systemic racism. Yeah. He no, pretends but, that it but, but what I'm saying to you is that they're not hearing it from Tim Scott, they're not hearing it, period. I think it, so at least he's adding I think that. One of the issues that Tim Scott um, has is that he seems to think because I made it, Everyone can make it, ignoring, again, the fact that he is the exception and not the rule. And until he is I, the rule, he has, then he can stop talking about systemic racism. Clarence Thomas syndrome. I, there you go. And you know what? Sorry, uh, Anna Navarro, you were actually good here. And so I will salute you on this one occasion. But you see, if I'm wrong, I correct myself. It's so infrequent. But nonetheless, I will. But listen to this, Sonny Houston. He ignores systemic racism in America. Hi, Mr. Producer, I want you to contact her people at The View and ask her to come on the program where we can have a short discussion about America and racism. Okay? I'm quite serious. None of these people will come on the show, so maybe she will. And the Clarence Thomas syndrome. Look at the hatred. Look at the hatred. That's why the view only exists because what is it? ABC syndicates it, Mr. Bruce? Something like that. So, in other words, ABC, one of the major corporations in the world, I guess it's, is it still part of uh, Disney? I guess it is. So it's the same corporate environment. And so these people at ABC and Disney, they provide a platform like this. These are haters. These are nasty people. It's like over at MSNBC. They're provided a platform by Comcast, who rips you off every month. By Comcast. Comcast. 
and uh, they, 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 they bring us the Joy Reeds of the world. There's nothing joyful about Joy Reed. She's a nut. In fact, she's worse than a nut. She's a bigot, in my uh, humble opinion. And she's not the only one over there. I mean, who would give a platform to the Scarboroughs? What do you think, Mika? I'm with you, Joe. Oh, okay. They broadcast out of their facilities in Jupiter. but And that's okay. I've done that a lot. But they pretend they're not. That's the difference. But look how they trash this guy, Tim Scott. This is, this is what we have to deal with. You know, this is us. We. Here he is in North Carolina. Excuse me, in the North Charleston, South Carolina. At a rally today. Cut 17, go. I have lived that the closest thing to magic in America is a good education. But today, the far left has us retreating away from excellence in schools. Extreme liberals are letting big labor bosses trap millions of kids in failing schools. They're replacing education with indoctrination. They spent COVID locking kids out of the classroom, and now they're locking kids out of their futures. And in Biden's America, crime is on the rise, and law enforcement is in retreat. The far left is ending cash bails. They're demonizing, demoralizing, and defunding the police. I grew up in neighborhoods alongside people who ended up incarcerated or in the seminary. Cemetery, not seminary. Seminary too, but cemetery as well. (laughs) We needed more public safety, not less. We cannot have innocent people at risk police officers getting ambushed and attacked, and seniors locked in their homes from the time the sun goes down until the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be formidable in, in the sense that uh, he speaks about these things from a position of experience. And so they're going to start gunning for him. They're going to, they're going to put the real hate on him. You know, the way they do our buddy Clarence Thomas and others who simply won't toe the line. Cut 18, go. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States. America! <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Isn't that exciting, Mr. Producer? He's really a good guy. Really a good guy. Very nice man. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Michelle Obama, you're out there still? Yes, yes. You talk about a grifter. Well, maybe from time to time she'll do charitable work in between her many, many business activities. You know, she's a massively successful author. Oh, yeah. 
Sure, she's written her own books, no question. Who would dare to question that, Mr. Producer? <coughs> of course, there. she's written her own books. And uh, they are just so swell about lifestyle choices. Uh, and what does Michelle know about lifestyle choices? Nothing. But it doesn't matter. Her, her name is on the book, so it sells a ton. They like her over there at The View. I have no doubt about it. No doubt about that. And uh, she's with the in crowd. She's with the in crowd. And, of course, they've been with Netflix. Netflix that's been in financial trouble a long time because they've developed their own TV programming, so to speak. Because the Obamas are very, very well-known TV producers and directors. And so they've made millions from doing that. Hollywood's taken very good care of the Obamas. What do they have? Five homes, including a Mathers Vineyard. and They have a home uh, somewhere else where they build a a wall, you know, so that damn ocean wouldn't, you know, leach onto the property there. Spend a lot of money on landscaping. They don't, they don't want that kind of script to take place. No. And they give speeches. Oh, yeah, especially Barack. They figure he can't stop talking, like Clinton, Bill Clinton, so we might as well pay him. And he goes, oh, he's paid a lot of money. And he deserves it. Of course he does. Deserves it. He's fantastic. Unbelievable. And so they're worth like a quarter of a billion dollars, the Obamas. They are extraordinary Marxist revolutionaries. They are extraordinary Alinskyites, are the Obamas. And so Michelle figured everything she touches turns into money. And so they got a great idea. Let's have a Michelle juice brand. Excuse me? Juice! What happened to the organic garden? Uh, excuse me, that was all a hoax. I mean, it it uh, it it was destroyed. Of course, the Trumps did it. The, the, the Trumps destroyed. It. Yes, yes. And so I'm looking here from Fox News. Former First Lady Michelle Obama's touted health drink, Plezzi. P l e z i. What does that mean, Plezzi? Oh, what do I know? would fail the health standards set by the Obama administration, a new Bloomberg report found. Oh, do tell. After discussing with 12 independent health professionals and organizations, the Bloomberg News organization found that Plezzi's current flavors released earlier this month would not meet the requirements to be served at elementary middle schools. Uh Uh-oh. But do they make money? That's the issue. These Marxist revolutionaries need to know if they're going to make money off the drinks. At least it's not like Kool-Aid, you know. Remember Jim Jones, Mr. Producer, drink the Kool-Aid? Drink the Plessy. Under the Obama-era school meal regulations currently under review, U.S. elementary middle schools may only serve water, milk, or 100% fruit or vegetable juice with no added sweeteners. And the regulations do permit schools to dilute juices with water. And none of Plessy's four current flavors meet these criteria. According to the experts, there was concern over the, quote, non-nutritive. I feel like I'm being treated otherwise. 
non-nutritive sweeteners in the drink, such as stevia leaf and monk fruit extracts. They could still be considered unhealthy. The World Health Organization previously published its own report on Monday advising against the use of sweeteners like stevia to control body weight. Now I say this, I'm going to do something that's going to shock you. I'm going to come to the defense of Michelle Obama. I'm going to come to the defense because Michelle wants to fatten up the kids. And you know what I see here when she fattens up the kids, Mr. Producer? Membership fees to Fatties United. Michelle Obama is, I'm going to announce this right now. I'm going to give her an honorary position at Fatties United or FU. Michelle Obama is perfect for FU, I would think. Nutrition experts are more critical of the former first lady for promoting a brand that may ultimately be a less healthy option. She has been ill served by advisors. Oh, those damn advisors. Who convinced her to start by targeting 6 to 12 year olds with a flashy, ultra processed beverage that may not be any healthier than diet soda, Gerald Manday, a nutrition professor, told Bloomberg. Oh, you're such a schmo, Gerald. You don't understand what's going on. The Center for Science and the Public Interest nutrition director, Bonnie Liebman, added. Kids are also better off getting the intact fiber in fruit rather than the processed fiber added to flezzy. Plezzy. Plezzy, plezzy, floozy, whatever it is. Anyway, Michelle, welcome to FU. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. No, 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 not conservative. BoomerCon. Yes, that's what we do here. BoomerCon. Whatever that is. That's a BoomerCon, Mr. Producer. Do you know? Oh, I am. And I guess 14 million listeners are. I don't know. We'll find out. Um... You know, there was some breaking news on my Sunday show on Fox. And apparently it wasn't breaking enough for the news. On the Constipated News Network and MSLSD? No. New York Slimes, Washington Compost? No, even my news colleagues, my buddies at my favorite network. None of them picked up on it, did they, Mr. Producer? Do you find that strange that nobody at all picked it up? How about any of the conservative news outlets? Did you see it on any of them, Mr. Producer? Not one. And we are the highest rated show on the weekends, most of the time, on Fox. Hopefully we will be tomorrow, too. But that said, no bragging, I'm just pointing it out. That's a big show. And you could tell, I think, Mr. Producer, when... Brett Tolman, the former U.S. attorney from Utah, said what he said. That got my attention. I perked up a little bit. Because I actually listen to what my guests say before I'm trying to interrupt them. Now, I want you to listen to this. We can do it here. We have multiple platforms. I want you to listen to this. This is Brett Tolman, who was a 
U.S. attorney in Utah, really, really top lawyer. And he's very soft-spoken. So check it out. Cut 22, go. But you make a very good point. The U.S. attorney is nominated by the president, not the attorney general, and confirmed by the Senate. They are presidential appointees, and they serve at the pleasure of the president. So despite what the practices may be the last couple of decades, you're making the point, it's a very important point, that the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., I believe his name is Graves, that he has his own authority to act, that he doesn't have to sit around and worry about what the criminal division or the public integrity section or the U.S. attorney's office or the attorney general or anybody else has to say uh, to open an investigation at a minimum and to bring an indictment, correct? That's exactly right. He has all that authority. And I'll tell you something else that I've learned uh, relative to this. The outgoing U.S. attorney at the time of January 6th had identified a very small number of individuals that should be prosecuted and had indicated to DOJ that that was his intention. They forced him out because he did not have the same vision that they did in terms of what they would turn the January 6th prosecution into. And so I think about that and who they put in in their place, and it is someone that will toe the line and follow what Washington, D.C. wants. And, and, and that is the greatest injustice we have because now we see that they will do make decisions and use their power to uh, based on politics rather than based on the facts and the evidence which would result in a lot of people being prosecuted and put in jail, including the Biden family. Did you pick up on that, folks? The first Biden U.S. attorney was removed because he wouldn't go along with the program that Mr. Graves did go along with enthusiastically, which was to throw a very wide net to track down people all over the country who'd not really committed serious crimes, you know, jaywalking type stuff. And the Biden administration wanted to really brutalize these people. And I think try and harm uh, the MAGA movement, try and harm conservatives, try and harm Republicans, which they're still doing today. The greatest investigation in the history of the FBI, are you kidding me? And he says the first U.S. attorney was pushed out because he wouldn't go for it. So they brought in this, this hack. He also said, by the way, during the course of the program, that he would have already indicted the Bidens. They had absolutely no justification for the 20 shell companies. They had no business whatsoever behind these companies. And they had no reason to take the money from the communist Chinese or the Romanian government or front group, other than their names, other than to try and influence the vice president. And this all happened when Biden was vice president. He said there was more than enough to indict them. And if he had been the U.S. attorney in D.C., he would have indicted them. Now think about that. That's a big deal. In the meantime, the radical kook DA in Georgia has uh, said enough to enough people, officially, of course, that the New York Times got the information 
uh, which was then printed by other publications like the New York Post, if you will, uh, that the staff for the Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis, has been told to work remotely between July 31 and August 18. That she has requested judges in a downtown Atlanta courthouse not to schedule trials between August 7 and August 14, according to a letter to county officials. And so the implication is she's going to charge President Trump. So this is the next phase of the Democrat Party prosecutors uh, expanding their criminal attacks on Trump. So this has not gone away. This has been going on six or seven years now. It's not going to stop. And then the moron in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, the special counsel, he'll drop a shoe. How much you want to bet they're on communication about timing? How much you want to bet? Why wouldn't they be? There's no law against it, so what will stop them? Nothing. And then, unfortunately, <clears throat> we have people like Bill Barr and Ty Cobb, not the baseball player, but the goofball, you know, the walrus-looking guy. The latter was a lawyer for Trump, and he's running around saying, basically, that Trump's going to be charged on a document case. And almost gleefully, Bill Barr is doing the same thing. In fact, they're giving cover to the charges. They're urging the charges. They're encouraging the charges. And I'm going to tell you why. In the case of Bill Barr, he hangs out in the same circles as, uh, <clears throat> as a number of these, these lawyers who are so offended. You know, Andy McCarthy, same circles as Mike Ludig. Same circles. Remember, he was first appointed by old man Bush to be the attorney general. And that's okay. I'm just making a point. That's his social circle. And so he and the others are very, very troubled by the document case, you know needed to be criminalized, there needed to be a warrant, there needed to be a SWAT team, because God could only know what, what Trump took and, and what he was going to do with the information, the former president, and as far as we know right now, he didn't do anything with it. Certainly nothing that damages or threatens the country. And then we have the, the DA in Atlanta. Find me some votes. Ooh! Or the fake, quote-unquote, electors. Now, she's a DA in Atlanta. Even if fake electors are an issue, that's not for a DA in Atlanta to handle. First of all, it's not for any DA to handle. It's not for any prosecutor to handle. But if you pretend that it is, what does it have to do with a DA in Atlanta? Nothing. And then you have the usual rhinos there who are all in. Yeah, yeah, get them. You know, like Rafis, whatever the guy's name is. Long German name. Can't remember his name. Secretary of State and the former lieutenant governor. Yeah, yeah, get him. The Democrats don't have people like this. They don't have this problem in their party. Their party is like, like I say, it is a religious experience. Very poor one, by the way. I said, like Jim Jones, but it's a religious experience. They're not going to turn on their elders. No, no, not the elder generation. (laughs) We can't listen to them. We, we in the 
What is this younger generation? What is it called, Mr. Producer? Do we even know? What name have they given it? Is it Gen X? I thought it was something else. Maybe it's the LGBTQ generation. Could it be? I don't know. I'll be right back. Mark in. I'm going to say something I'm definitely not supposed to say. The likely... Should I talk about the release date, Mr. Producer? Even though it hasn't been finalized, but I'm pretty sure it is. Don't be a quizzling. The likely release date is September 19th. I don't mean to undercut my team, but they know they know that to be the case. So that's the likely release date. I'll let you know if it's not. There's nothing you can do about it on Amazon right now. But I'm extremely anxious to get this out. Extremely anxious for reasons that will become clear when they need to become clear. What typically happens when I say something like that is everybody looks at their own books. We don't want it to come out the 19th. But anyway, uh, that's the plan. We shall see. Before we close out the program, I want to get to this. From our uh, intrepid friends over at uh, Just the News, John Solomon's place, the house that John built. Prior to former President Trump, the Justice Department had not been involved in enforcing the Presidential Records Act. According to testimony from a National Archives and Records Administration official, I hope uh, Big Bill Barr is paying attention. Not that he matters. Not, a, not that he cares, rather. On Wednesday, the House Intelligence Committee released a transcript from an interview in March with NARA officials in which the agency's chief operating officer, William Bosanko, testified the agency had, quote, found classified information in unclassified boxes, unquote, for all presidential administrations from Reagan forward. He also said the boxes of materials were in the archives' custody at the time the agency made the discovery. However, Bosenko, who said he has worked for the agency for more than 30 years, also said he was not aware that the Department of Justice had any involvement with enforcing the Presidential Records Act prior to Trump. Former Vice President Pence and President Biden, all of whom were recently found to have classified documents in their possession. In response to House Delegate Stacey Plasker, remember we despise her, Delegate U.S. Virgin Islands, question about DOJ providing guidance to new presidential administrations for following the Presidential Records Act, Bosanko said he was not aware of DOJ being involved in that. And then with no DOJ involvement in that, the next time the Department of Justice would be involved is at the end, if necessary, if there's a referral from an inspector general, etc., he said, to do an investigation or to enforce conditions of the Presidential Records Act. Correct? Plaskett asked Bosanko. Correct, he replied. I am not aware of any other instance where the Department of Justice has gotten involved in this. Representative Elise Stefanik asked Bosanko whether there had ever been another case in which he had, for any reason, referred any previous president or vice president to the agency's inspector general. Prior to the three instances that have just happened, he said no. 
Former National Security Council Senior Director Cash Patel told Just the News on Friday, Nara's lack of referrals until the Trump presidency demonstrates that equal application of law does not apply to Trump and those who served in his administration. He's right. He's right. So I wanted you to know this. Because if I don't tell you, nobody's going to. That's a big piece of information there. Big. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the men and women, the freedom fighters in Ukraine and Taiwan and around the rest of the world. And all of you, I wouldn't be here without you. And so I'm blessed to have you here. And I know it. And God bless each and every one of you, the smartest people of all audiences.